Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. This season, we are talking about the book of Acts and the works of Jesus through his church and in his kingdom. I'm Vanessa Hawkins, and joining Amber Barrett and me in conversation today are Nicole Novak, our editor with the mostest, and April Coleman. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. As is our tradition, we start with a first things first question. And our question for today is, what was the first magic trick you remember seeing performed? So if you would answer that question of the day, first things first question, and tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Sure. Um, I'm April Coleman. I'm married to Josh and we have three kids, a five-year-old boy, Simon, a three-year-old boy, Israel, and our newest is Josie, who is five Mm. months old and she's a delight. Um, Nicole and I met in Bible study a long time ago, and uh, she has held my babies more times than I can count and been (laughs) dragged along on many a shopping trip, and we have a great time together. She's a wonderful friend. And now we get to see each other every Thursday morning, bright and early (laughs) for Bible study. Uh, It's been a great time. How bright and early, April? <laughs> 6.15, because I couldn't oh. put my alarm for earlier than 5.45. So we <laughs> and you still like each other. Earlier. Oh, it's great. <laughs> well, you know, coffee has intervened. <laughs> um, as to my first magic trick, I actually have a terrible memory. No. I was going to compare myself to whatever animal it is that forgets everything, but I can't remember which one it is. <laughs> um, but... I have no idea my first magic trick that I witnessed. However, my husband loves to do card tricks and my five-year-old boy thinks it is the best thing ever. So Josh will do a a card trick for Simon. And then the rest of the day, Simon is attempting to do the card trick for me. (laughs) (laughs) And you have to pay attention. Watch mom. Oh, you fool me, buddy. (laughs) Every time. (laughs) That's great. That's funny. So that animal would be a goldfish, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Nicole. But um, <laughs> I actually don't know what the first one I saw was either. But I do remember a magician coming to my school when I was seven or eight. And I also remember deciding after that that I was going to be a magician. Not when I grew up, <laughs> but right then. So my parents acquired for me a magician set. So it had a wand. It had a cape. It had a top hat. Oh, wow. I think there was a bunny somewhere around. But I remember, I think the the most vivid memory I have of that is the wand because the wand had like these scarves coming out of it and they were multicolored. Mm. They were jewel tones. And I always have memories of colors. Uh. So, yeah. So, um, that I don't know quite what became of that endeavor except that I think I became disillusioned when I realized I couldn't actually do anything magical <laughs> and moved on to the next big thing. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself, Nicole. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. So, yeah. Um, I have been in Augusta now for about six and a half years. I work here with the church um, as receptionist and worship assistant. Um, I also do, as of the last few years, I've been painting. Um, I'm not married. I have no children. Um, I just kind of like take care of everybody else's kids Mm -hmm. in uh, in Old Town. I kind of consider them mine, um, do anything for them. Um, And I also teach violin on the side. I love that. I love that so much. Uh, like you, I don't 
I don't think I remember the first magic trick, but I can remember ones that were just super impressive and sealed to my mind. And um, the one I think I was most fascinated by was this escape artist. I'm not even sure who he was, but I remember him being shackled and immersed in water inside a glass cube. I don't know if it was like Believe It or Not or That's Incredible. I don't even know what the show was, but I remember seeing that on TV and I I would kind of watch in horror and really kind of judge them like you are really crazy but at the same time like watching a train wreck i can't look away because i want to <laughs> want to see if he gets out so i that's my yeah that's i think that that's my most vivid memory of a magic that i can think of it's, it's pretty hard to forget that yeah when you really believe too you're terrified. They're going to let him die on national television. Oh, they like, really might let oh him die Oh my goodness, they're going to end him right here on NBC. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I remember that. Oh, well, um, I remember my dad's card tricks. And so he performed a lot of card tricks for me growing up. And I don't remember the exact ones. Or no, I do remember the exact ones. I don't remember the very, very first one he did. But I still do those tricks for my boys. Aww. And I love that I can... They're they're too smart now, but <laughs> but I, I could I could fool them, and that that's always fun. But it really is those um, the captivating, <laughs> terrifying, and yeah. awe inspiring magic tricks where it's impossible to escape from some right. sort of deadly trap. They really do sear themselves in your minds mm-hmm. because we love to see somebody who's set free against all odds. Right. You know, against it's impossible. But they get they they become free. It's it's wonderful. We love that. So right. if you're listening today and you like that type of magic trick, then you're probably going to feel the same way <laughs> about what we're going to be talking about, which is liberating grace mm-hmm. against all odds, humanly impossible. Mm. It's a work of God worth rejoicing over. And our discussion for today comes from Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through Acts chapter 17, verse 15. And if you're listening and haven't read this passage for yourself, we do strongly recommend you hit the pause button, take time to read, and then come back to listen to our discussion. We think you'll get more out of it if you read the word yourselves and then listen to us talk about about it. And in Acts chapter 16, we find ourselves following Paul on his second missionary journey. And on our last podcast, we talked about the necessary and beneficial dispute over the purity of the gospel that took place in the early church. And we saw that the biblical wisdom with which that dispute was answered, and we rejoiced over the unity and encouragement the church experienced as a result. So in our passage for today, we see Paul seeking to continue fostering that encouragement and unity by going back to visit brothers in all the towns where he and Barnabas had initially preached the good news of the gospel. As he goes about this mission, he visits many towns, three of which are highlighted in our passage today. Now, in all three of these towns, unexpected and miraculous liberation takes place. So, Vanessa, describe for us the different types of liberation that took place in Philippi and what stood out to you about these three separate but related events. Yeah, I can't help but notice the role of prayer in the liberation of Paul and Silas in particular from prison and just how powerful moves of God throughout the book of Acts happen on the heels of the saints praying. It's just a, it's a a trend. It's a theme throughout the book. So we see that role uh, of prayer at Pentecost when they're in the upper room praying and waiting. We see it with Peter's vision. He goes onto the rooftop to pray and uh, he sees the vision. Um, Peter's rescue from prison. The church is praying. Yeah. And then here, Paul and Silas, Um, I love this. I'm so fascinated by the fact that they're on their way to prayer. 
and they are they experience disruption with this demon possessed girl who Mm -hmm. even under the possession of a demon is proclaiming the truth about the most high god we could just stick there all day long i just I, i love that um but when paul is sufficiently annoyed he casts the demon out and he and silas are thrown into jail and then here's what i love though undeterred in jail they continue what they began they help they hold a prayer meeting in jail so they're praying and they're singing and uh in the middle of prison they they experience this liberation this physical liberation and shackles where they are extra secure much like peter when he was bound you know they've they've done all these things to really make sure that there's no way as you were saying that he could humanly possible escape Mm -hmm. and same with paul here there's no way that they should be able to physically humanly possible shouldn't be possible for them to escape but um this prayer it, it has this undeniable role in bringing about freedom with peter's imprisonment and we see that with paul and silas too so this this supernatural release from prison is a physical picture of how god's grace is invading the bondage of sin and setting the believer free and uh the jailer responds by asking for salvation resulting in his and his household being saved So now I think one final observation that I would make about the demon possessed girl being liberated is freedom is a threat to those who thrive on your bondage. And um, this the sinful, selfish men thrived on her bondage and they were not happy to see her free any more than Pharaoh was happy to see his economic engine Israel leaving Egypt Mm -hmm. or any more than, you know, big tobacco would be happy to see someone quit smoking, you know, right. right. You know, it's because it serves the the one that's keeping them in bondage. And so we never really get to see her operating in her new freedom from the bondage of evil, but we do get to see the jailer and we see the jailer walking in this newfound freedom from the bondage of sin. He and all his household were saved. And we see the theme of salvation bringing rejoicing as you were talking about to the jailer and to his family. Yeah. It's beautiful. Mm, I do love that. I hadn't thought about the fact that they were on their way to prayer, mm-hmm. interrupted, and they come back to prayer. Mm. So they're not deterred by that. I love it. And I love too just thinking while the owners of the slave girl, they didn't want to see her free because it would cost them. Right. Paul and Silas wanted to see her free even at their own cost. Right. And just that of course is That's such good. a picture of the gospel. Yes. You know, the guy Amen. who sets us free at his own at his own cost Mm -hmm. well when they move from philippi to thessalonica and berea there's a different type of liberation takes place it's not physical Mm -hmm. like we see Mm -hmm. um or necessarily a a freedom for a demonic force but it is a spiritual freedom that comes a freedom of mind it's a belief freedom from the sin and captivity of disbelief and so they go into these cities and they're preaching the gospel and it's still a miraculous work that Although they go about it in a very logical way, mm-hmm. right? They go into the temple, they're teaching, they're, or excuse me, the synagogue, they're teaching and they're explaining, they're opening scripture, they're very logically explaining to these um, people who would have been educated mm-hmm. in the Jewish religion who Christ is. You still sense and know that it's a miracle that their minds are open, mm-hmm. their hearts are open, that they see and receive and believe because some don't and they have the completely opposite reaction you know again they're persecuting paul and silas and they're Mm -hmm. wanting to keep them out of their town and they're doing all these sorts of things so i just think you know of all the liberation that takes place in our lives that we long for the lord 
to deliver us from. And there's a lot of places that can feel like bondage and persecution and suffering and sickness and all sorts of things. The biggest one is to be set free from the sin of unbelief Amen. and the inability yeah. to see who God is and mm-hmm. believe it, to see that emphasis here. And I love too that in those towns, Luke, the author of Acts, right. takes time to mention the women. The I prominent women, every yes. time, prominent women, prominent women, that they are believing and that they are mm-hmm. including that. I just think as us women, that God cares about liberating women. Mm-hmm. He cares about liberating us. I love that. I love that, too. You cannot read Acts, um, just the plain reading of the text and not see how women are included and important and valued yeah. um, to the Lord. It is a beautiful picture and essential to the early church and to the church today. So um, he cares about liberating us. And, and, and Paul goes on to tell us in Galatians 5, 1, that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We, the Lord desires that freedom for us, that liberation. So so tell me, ladies, how have you experienced God's liberating power over evil in your own life? Well, I, when I became a new believer, um, I had prior to that struggled for a long time with sexual sin. And, um, when I became a believer, it was pretty dramatic and I became really hungry for the word and I was learning and I knew that I needed to confront that sin. And I tried and I tried and I tried and I could not, um, break free from it. And so I was very ashamed and did not share it with anyone and, um, continued to ask the Lord to help me with it. And I even went into college still struggling and, um, my husband and I, at that time, my boyfriend, we had been dating for, I think, like a year and a half uh, or so, and I knew we were getting serious. And I, as much as I did not want to talk to anyone about what I was struggling with, I didn't feel like it would be right for him not to know um, the struggle that I had before we moved forward in our relationship. So one night, I um, worked up my courage to tell him, terrified of what his response might be. And when I shared with him, he said, that's not okay. You need accountability. I forgive you and I love you. And then he kissed me for the first time ever. And that is so beautiful. It was such a beautiful representation of the gospel that I knew was true, you know, Mm -hmm. of my complete forgiveness and acceptance. And also at the same time, acknowledging the truth that it's a problem, you know, and, Mm. um, that was, I'm going to get teary here. That was like the way the Lord helped me break free from my bondage. And it's mm. not that I've never struggled with sexual sin again, sure, but yeah. that ongoing, persistent, just deep, dark hole that I was in. Um, and it, it was just such a beautiful, um, expression of the gospel for me. And I, I want to encourage everyone. I think, you know, the devil likes to keep our sin in the dark. Mm-hmm. That's how he keeps us in bondage. And, it is really hard to bring our sin into the light. Um, but anyone who's struggling, whether it's, uh, with sexual sin that you're ashamed of or with a sin that you can barely admit to yourself because you don't want to see that it's there, whether it's slander or gossip, um, or fear of man, whatever it may be. Um, I just implore you to find somebody trustworthy and confess your sin, um, and ask them for accountability and, I hope and I pray that you will experience the gospel through another believer the way I did. Hmm. Oh, that is that is so powerful in so many ways, just exposing um, the darkness and taking away its power. Yeah. Yeah. Uh But also what a picture of Christ. 
What a picture of Christ that when we confess our deepest, darkest, most broken, he moves towards us. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just, that's so beautiful. Yeah. It replaces the false thing that the sin offers you with the real thing, the real satisfaction. Mm -hmm. So when Amber mentioned about people being free against all odds, you know, it really resonates with me because if you want to talk about against all odds, you take a heroin baby, child of a prostitute who ended up with Ray's syndrome in infancy, with seizures through childhood, neglected in my first foster home, um, the challenges that just come with being adopted and then bullied through elementary and middle school. And then as, an, as a preteen, I started um, experiencing um, what can really only be described as demonic oppression. Like I would be um, in bed, I would be asleep and I'd wake up and there'd be that feeling of somebody's on top of you. Somebody's like pressing you down. But for me, I couldn't even move. It was mm. a paralysis as well. And I couldn't open my eyes. I couldn't mm. move anything. And it's just terrifying. At some point I was homeless. Um, and then, and then there was the injustice. And I even at some point when I was about 22, I got to the point where I, um, attempted suicide. You know, so so you think of the darkness mm. that somebody has to be in to um, attempt suicide, especially when they think that they're a Christian. Like I grew up as a Christian. Um, so for me to feel that lost and that hopeless. Um, but thankfully, I did not um, um, succeed with that. Mm-hmm. And I ended up shortly thereafter in a marriage that was abusive both physically and emotionally um you know and got out of that and then along you know along comes in around 2009 2007 and there here we go with ms you know which i still struggle with and it just i say all of that just to give you the cliff notes version um you know it's And it just, then it was, I lost 11 immediate family members between 2015 and 2020. And I started to really believe, and I think this is the most insidious and um, worst manifestation manifestation of evil out of all of them is that it was just internal, Um, like this ingrained lifelong belief that I was unwanted, that I'm unworthy and I'm just not enough. Um, And that I have to prove that I'm worth loving and worth Mm. keeping around. Mm. And obviously there's something wrong with me because I'm so utterly damaged. Mm. Um, But God, you know, every time he has liberated me from whatever evil had taken up residence in my life, repeatedly brought me out of every situation, um, physically, spiritually, some was quite tangible and others it's more subtle um and some he's still working on you know but he's always placed people deliberately into my life to love me straight out of the prison that the evil had bound me in you know you wouldn't look at all of the above on a piece of paper and think that person has really any chance of coming out of life um with faith with strength with any reason to praise God or to serve him to believe in him and yet that's what he's given me he took a traumatized wounded person um out from behind the walls I'd built you know that built for my own protection and 
you know, just gave me that ability to build real relationships and function as part of a community again and to have a love for serving him with the gifts and talents that he's given me. Um, and I really never thought I would have that. So I praise him every day for it. Hmm. That is, that is uh, such a powerful story, Nicole. When I hear um, the depths of brokenness that you name, yet your words were that how intentional uh, he was in providing Very people and in liberating you through um, the truth that were was shared or lived out uh, before you with people. And so it's it's beautiful that you can see that even through the brokenness mm-hmm. that um, he was liberating you and that he was being intentional about caring for you. It's just mm. it's. That's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. When you tell that story, I know you said at the beginning, Vanessa, we never really know what happened to the slave girl afterwards. Do sort of read that and think, well, what happened to her? You Mm -hmm. know, those are really difficult uh, circumstances to just come out of. And Nicole, you get to tell a story that says somebody that's brought from really difficult circumstances. We can't always comprehend or think, oh, that's how the Lord's going to work. or He's going to do this or it'll work like this or whatever. Just all of those multiple, impossible, even hard to necessarily go back and explain. Mm -hmm. But you knew in all of those places that the Lord was providing that love and liberation faithfully is really a a beautiful story to tell. And I appreciate you telling it to Mm -hmm. us. Thank you. And I said this before, but of all the different kinds of liberation, that captivity from sin and unbelief, mm-hmm. or, you know, even what you were talking about, Nicole, that how evil loves to get in and tell us all these twisted thoughts about mm-hmm. God, about ourselves, between about how he sees us, how he views us, how he interacts with us, what we need, who we are, how we interact with him, all those sorts of things for the light of truth to shine in your mind and unlock that. Yeah, what are some of the ways that God's delivered you from disbelief and led you to a joyful acceptance of his truth? So unbelief for me has actually been a struggle for a very long time, but not in the sense that you would think. Um, I can't remember a time I didn't believe in God. So it was more of a mix of faulty theology and downright lies that I believed. Um, The gospel was always in there somewhere, but even that was a bit twisted. So my adoptive mother um, very much believed in what we call a prosperity gospel. Um, if you believed God would heal you, he would, if he didn't, you either didn't have enough faith or it was a punishment from God. Um, she also believed in spiritual things in the sense that you could manifest, manifest, um, your life, positive thinking brought about success, for instance, wealth and health. And it's kind of an odd juxtaposition when you think about it, because she was also quite superstitious. So this is kind of the mindset, um, that I grew up with. And so that was unbeknownst to me, lurking in my mind, unrevealed to me when I um, when I first got sick. So I knew I couldn't think away MS. I mean, a educated Gen Xer, you know. Um, but where the problem lay, um, and I'm not proud to admit, but it still does sometimes, is in the part of the fallacy that involves God and His character, mm. um, His attributes. Because when it comes to a disease that steals your mobility and normalcy of speech and even your above, well, my, (laughs) I thought my above average um, cognitive skills um, (laughs) every day is a struggle, both due to challenges that are frustratingly repetitive and those that at times are new and sudden. So 
you know, I've, I have a friend um, who tells me all the time that I have this thing called Nicole optimism. And I have this perspective that I can always find this silver lining, but it's really hard to keep that perspective and the perspective that God is love and even harder to believe that he loves me because, in, because for me, I'm also very analytical. I'm very logical um, of a thinker. So, you know, I'd have that train of thought um, that if he loved me, he would heal me. Right. Um, he knows that I've prayed um, till I, had no voice and cried till I was dehydrated and surely faith wasn't an issue. So then what else wouldn't see, what else could it be then? You know, what did I do to make him decide that that was going to be my life, that I wouldn't see a day without some sort of pain in various degrees, you know? Um, I can't describe it all really. Um, but when it became increasingly clear that God was not going to heal me, possibly not even this side of heaven, it just, um, it left me at a crossroads. So, you know, following the natural course of how, um, I was taught to see God, surely then multiple sclerosis was a judgment or a punishment for some horrible sin I've committed. Right. You know, that's just what I thought. And as everybody else, I've, committed some sins that I wouldn't even want to remember, you know, but so has everyone. And so that just didn't add up. But, you know, I knew God was good. I knew he loves me. Otherwise, there's no way he'd have brought me this far through all the other things that I mentioned in my life that Satan has thrown at me. Um, I knew he could do it. I know he could and knew he could heal me. I've seen the evidence. You know, I've read the Bible, you know, and if he couldn't, then that means the Bible isn't true and Jesus' miracles arise, which um, that's not acceptable to me. You know, even if I were to go through that, that follow that process just for the sake of logic, the Holy Spirit just slams the door and I can't even think it through. So I know the truth of the gospel. Um, and yet inside of me, I have like this, um, this struggle to believe that, um, God is good, you know, and so it always comes about down to that story that where someone asked Jesus, is this man sick because of his sin or that of his parents? Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, neither one, but so that obviously so that the glory of God can be seen in his healing. Okay, I can understand that. But then it's like, what about me? Why won't he heal me? And through a lot of prayer and a lot of <laughs> work you know I've gotten to the point it's like okay what if people can see the glory of God in in me in spite of mm -hmm. my illness and in spite of all the things that all the struggles that I go through day to day mm. you know um that they can still see that joy that I have to, for serving him you know and see that in in my dedication and in my good days and the bad days, God knows um, he's always there. And some of you have witnessed me on my good days and my bad days, and I'm not doing it perfectly. But I've learned that his love for me goes so much deeper than the benefits that any physical healing would bring me. And so I continue to work and to teach and to sing and to paint and to invest in relationships because the gifts he's given me and the people he's surrounded me with are so much more valid valuable than the ability to walk five miles a day or work a 40-hour week. 
He's mm-hmm. more than proven his love to me. So how can I respond in any other way? Well, to be around you, Nicole, is to experience that joyful acceptance. Mm-hmm. And again, not that you don't struggle, of course. I mean, who wouldn't? Um, but to experience the fullness of your life, the joyfulness that you exude. Um, she works in the front office here at First Prez. And so to experience her harassment, I mean, her love, <laughs> uh, her love, that's what I was saying. Um, when we're when we're coming in in the mornings to see her interacting with the children um, of the church, to see her teaching uh, violin and and. To be full of song is such a joy. And so that joyful acceptance, um, we experience that. And so I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm sad for what it cost you. And I'm grateful that you share that joy with us. I was thinking, too, it, it's not very mysterious when it, everything is good in life to be joyful. Mm, right. It doesn't take much thought to see somebody who has everything to know why they're happy. Mm. But it it causes you to think twice to look twice to wonder mm-hmm. when someone is missing those things and has joy and it leads you to the mystery of christ and i liked how vanessa said that you can be sorry for what it costs but grateful at the same time mm-hmm. yeah. my answer to that question would actually be very similar to something you were talking about amber i think the biggest way i see god delivering me from disbelief is in the day-to-day in my battle against sin. Uh, Because the truth is, anytime I choose to sin, I am not believing what is true. Because Mm -hmm. if I really believed that God is as good as He is, as gracious as He is, as holy as He is, um, has my best interest at heart, all of these things, I wouldn't choose the sin. Um, And, you know, I feel like (laughs) I really identify with the man who says, I believe, heal my unbelief. Mm -hmm. Um, That Mm -hmm. is my constant prayer. Uh, as I battle against sin uh, and and even start to understand the subconscious disbelief that is under some of the patterns in my life. Mm-hmm. And how the Lord lets us work that out or mm-hmm. struggle or wrestle. You know, he could, when we see him face to face, you think about that promise that we are going to be like him and, yes. and that absolute eradication of unbelief, of sin, mm-hmm. of all those things. But until then, he's chosen to work those things through in our hearts and our minds and process mm-hmm. and it varies for all yes. of us and we would like to think that somehow we could just get over all of our unbelief and sin all at one time <sighs> but he doesn't give us that mm-hmm. but faithfully faithfully and steadily uh he sets us free mm-hmm. until we're going to be totally free right yeah. right um someday we'll be radically free from that forever and um in the meantime one of the ways that we participate in that liberation is through prayer and we talked earlier about the inextricable tie of prayer to liberation. So how have you found prayer to be intimately tied to your liberation from evil and disbelief, ladies? For me, prayer changes my heart. Um, I particularly find liturgy and written prayers such an important start to calming my mind and preparing my heart to engage with the Lord and then moving on to praying freely at I just need that in order to align myself with the Lord. And to be perfectly honest, 90% of my prayer life is probably the words, help me, Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good prayer. <laughs> <laughs> One that I know by heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah but I'm, I'm just so grateful. And I always appreciated, um, you know, how Dr. Robertson used to say that prayer is the way God lets us participate in what he's doing. And I think that's true 
in what he's doing in the kingdom outside, but also in my heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. So as it turns out, I process things by speaking them out loud. Um, so I don't like to pray in public. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sometimes the pain is just so deep that I can't express in words what's happening in my thoughts and in my emotions. And so then the only one, of course, who can have that conversation with me is God himself. Um, Sometimes I don't know that I feel a certain way or realize I'm believing the lies again until I'm alone with him. And he meets me there and shows me in all his tenderness that he has not left or forgotten me after all and that he is still in control. So although he doesn't necessarily give me the quote unquote the answers, he unfailingly leads me out of myself and into his arms again, even if all I can do is curl up in his lap and cry or sit at his feet in contented peace. So then when it comes to praying for others, I tend to pray for them what God is continually um, renewing in myself, and that's a sense of his presence and peace in the midst of the pain and the joy in serving him that gives them the, that gives them the purpose needed um, to keep running the race um, and also just to use his people, be it me or someone else, to be a comfort and a light where needed. And then I just trust that he's going to keep his promises. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a simple beauty to both of those prayers. Help me, Mm -hmm. love me, comfort me, Mm -hmm. and and experiencing both of those things. And I think sometimes with prayer, I um, am reminded that it's not self-talk. I'm a self-talker. I'm an internal Mm -hmm. thinker. I would like to think my way through a problem, through an emotion, through a situation, And I will hash it out over and over and over again in my mind. But to get to that place where you just say, help me, Hmm. love me. um, And you haven't thought yourself there. You know, you haven't helped yourself. uh, You haven't convinced yourself um, that you're lovable or whatever. But you've just experienced help outside of yourself, Mm -hmm. love from outside of yourself. Just reminds me that prayer is that connecting to the work God is doing, not the work I'm doing in myself. Um, but the work that he's doing in me and there is a difference between those two things and just being reminded of that is convicting to me of how much time I spend thinking and how much time I spend praying and the power that inevitably comes through prayer that you don't anticipate. That's so beautiful, ladies. We've covered a lot of ground today. We've seen Paul and Silas start out heading to a place of prayer, encountering demon possessed girl that was liberated by the spirit of God talked about our own personal liberation and how the spirit has done that in some really dark and hard things. Um, We've talked about the disruption of being thrown into jail by the the girl that was liberated and then the disruptions in our own lives. Yet like Paul, you ladies have described ways that you were undeterred, ways that you've been discouraged and um, challenged, but undeterred. And, And Paul was and Silas were undeterred in their praying and in their singing to God. Um, I pray the Lord gives us such a dependence on him and a delight in him that we would find ourselves singing despite the disruption and undeterred in our prayers. Mm -hmm. Amen. And ladies, thank y'all for joining us today and being an example of what that looks like um, to continue on um, undisrupted uh, from our worship and our prayer and um, appreciate you talking to us today. Listeners, if you want to see the pretty faces of our guests today, you can check us out on our Women's Bible Study Facebook page at Women's Bible Study FPCA or find us on Instagram at First Pres Augusta Women. 
We'd love for you to join us again next week. You can take us on a spring walk or when you go to the drugstore to get yourself some allergy medicine to deal with this nasty yellow pollen we're experiencing in Augusta, Georgia. <laughs> we're going to be sitting with Helen Morgan and Jamie Lawn to talk about encouraging grace. We hope you'll listen in. Sometimes a life surprises the Christian while she sings. It is the Lord rises with healing in his wings when comforts are declining he grants the soul again a season of clear shining to cheer it after the rain 